It is Senate debate day in Georgia. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the podcast we want you to depend on for the most on-the-ground coverage of the 2022 election. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein. And I'm Patricia Murphy, and we are two of the political insiders here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you're just listening to us for the first time, be sure to follow us and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. So Patricia, I am already here in Savannah on the uh, on the fourth floor of a very noisy hotel room, kind of near downtown, ready for the Raphael Warnock versus Herschel Walker big showdown. I have already seen many other media members here. Um, you know, it's going to be a mix of fall breakers and reporters converging on this beautiful uh, coastal-ish town here in Savannah, uh, where I had my first internship. One of my first internships was down here at the Savannah Morning News. Way back in two thousand and two, it was. Oh, great! What a great, what a great place to be a young person. Savannah could not be any more fun. Um, but I feel like tonight it couldn't be any more important. This is such a huge, pivotal moment in this campaign, both for Herschel Walker and for Raphael Warnock. I think that we have really focused so much on Herschel Walker recently that uh, quite a bit has been changing in the um, economy in particular while uh, this has been going on. And I think Raphael Warnock will get asked a lot of questions about the votes that he's taken and uh, the reality that a lot of Georgians are facing right now. So I think that both men are going to have some tough questions tonight. Yeah. And we will talk so much more about that later, along with the big name coming to Atlanta to stump for Stacey Abrams and the key takeaways from the latest Atlanta Journal-Constitution poll with a number of our other media outlets in the the media consortium. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Okay, Patricia, let's dive right into it because we are on the eve of a major debate between Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock. This has gone on. The whole debate over debates went on for months. Um, We can fast forward. We're here, but both candidates had to, you know, had to basically um, acknowledge that there was a reason they needed to debate. The polls are really close, and Senator Warnock kind of swallowed any misgivings he had about the format and and the setting and the fact that this is the only sole debate in order to agree. And look, Herschel Walker too. He kept on saying he'd debate anyone, any place, any time, and yet it took months to get to this point. Um, what are you watching for tonight? 
So I think the first thing I'll be watching for is just Herschel Walker's level of comfort. He has never debated before. He didn't debate any of his GOP opponents in the primary because he just didn't have to, to be honest with you. And so he has just never, ever been in a format like this that is so difficult for any candidate. It's especially difficult for somebody who has never been in elected office, never dealt with these issues in any depth at all, and um, never done this kind of like one-on-one back and forth with somebody who is going to be, you know, four feet away from him. And then also with two journalists who he is going to not know very well. It's just an extremely unusual unnatural place for any human to be. But it is these guys' jobs to find a way to get comfortable and get their points across. So it's just so hard to do. And Herschel Walker has left it until the last minute to really get his feet wet on this. And then I think for Raphael Warnock, I'm going to be interested to see how much he goes after Herschel Walker on any of these allegations, or does he just sort of leave that alone and either let the moderators do it or just let the press do it later? I I just don't know exactly the right way for any Democratic opponent to get into that. Um, Also, Raphael Warnock has his own personal background that he would rather not discuss. Obviously, he is divorced. He had a custody battle. That's something that he would certainly not want to come back up back at him. And so I think it's those personal issues. I just don't know how either one of these candidates is going to address them. But they're definitely the elephants in the room. Right. And there's some major thorny issues these candidates are gonna have to deal with. Um, You know, on one hand, do we think that Senator Warnock is going to bring up the Daily Beast report that back in 2009, Herschel Walker paid for his then girlfriend to have an abortion? Probably not, because Senator Warnock has not brought it up on the campaign trails, skirted the subject, you know, was acted very restrained when it comes to that issue, said basically that this was a, a disturbing pattern of behavior, but hasn't leaned into it. But judging by a memo his campaign sent out, and this should be no, of no surprise, um, we do think that he will definitely lean into the argument that Herschel Walker has uh, abused women in his life, including his ex-wife, Cindy Grossman. And this is no surprise because Raphael Warnock's campaign has aired you know, countless ads, put multi-million dollar ad buys behind TV spots featuring footage of Cindy Grossman talking in great detail about how he threatened to, to choke her and shoot her. And so... How he brings that up will be really uh, uh, instrumental, and and really, as you as you noted, how Herschel Walker kicks right back and talks about the the 2020 report that his then wife Aloye Warnock accused him of running over her foot in a child custody dispute um, will be also will also be I think front and center during this debate. And then I think a couple of issues that we're absolutely going to hear about. I am sure that Rafa Warnock will bring up access to abortion. That's an issue that Democrats really do feel like they need to push in order to activate women's votes in particular. We haven't heard Warnock bring it up in every single event, but he's certainly brought it up at um, multiple events that I've seen him at. And he really talks about trusting women and their doctors to make this decision. Herschel Walker, on the other hand, has an absolutely 
blistering attack that he rolls out on Raphael Warnock when it comes to abortion and says, what kind of a pastor is that? I mean, I cannot tell you how aggressive the language is that Herschel Walker uses in his stump speech about Raphael Warnock. How is he going to interact with Raphael Warnock when he's with him face to face? I just don't know. Um, I do think from Herschel Walker, we know that we're going to hear a great deal about the economy. We're going to hear about the Inflation Reduction Act that Raphael Warnock voted for. Uh, We're going to hear about uh, Joe Biden. We're going to hear a whole lot about the kind of Republican attack lines that we've been seeing, all Republicans going after Democrats and Raphael Warnock will be no different, especially we'll hear about immigration, securing the southern border. I just don't know what Herschel Walker's facility with the facts and figures and details of all of that is going to be. We know he's been getting prepped up for a long time. His campaign has been doing what they call policy time with kind of policy experts, uh, senators, Newt Gingrich. They've been flying in to come see Herschel Walker since the very beginning of the campaign, sitting down for hours with briefing books to try and get him briefed up and comfortable with these issues. So this is the test. This is the whole reason they've done that is this one hour tonight. Yeah, and look, I mean, something else Hirsch Walker's done is the old game of lowering expectations, saying that I'm just, in his words, he's just a country boy. He's not that smart as something else he said. Um, While he's going up against a polished guy like Herschel, like Senator Warnock, who is a skilled orator, who is the, the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church, who is known as a great speaker, he is trying to lower his own expectations and raise the expectations of Senator Warnock, and, and the fact is, in a debate setting like this, where you only have a minute or two to answer key questions, where there's not going to be prolonged back and forth, where there's going to be reporters asking a series of questions and changing the topic a lot, it will be hard for either of the candidates you know, to be able to declare, a, even though they will declare victory, it'll be hard for for um, for an audience to say, oh, he knocked him out with this, with this TKO, right? So we'll see, but it's going to be kind of an epic night. We're also expecting, you know, if you're playing a drinking game, definitely have the word Biden on your on your ledger. I don't think Trump will be mentioned that often. Frankly, it's because Senator Warnock has hardly mentioned Trump, too, on the campaign trail. He hasn't leaned into that attack at all. But Biden will be. We saw from a Herschel Walker memo, you know, saying that Senator Warnock votes with Joe Biden more than 90% of the time. That's been one of his attack lines the entire campaign. And so I think at every turn tonight, we should expect Herschel Walker to bring Waffle Warnock back to Biden over and over again. Yeah, um, a couple other details about the debate itself. It's one hour. It starts at seven o'clock Eastern. It's not going to be broadcast on C-SPAN or CNN or any of the national networks, despite this immense interest that we know they're going to have in it. This is because it's the Next Star license, and they've decided not to license it out to any national outlets. Um, but it can be viewed on local um, local stations around the state. Fox 5 in Atlanta is going to be airing it, Columbus WRBL, obviously. WSAV in Savannah. So people can kind of check their local list listings or just Google it if they, if they want to see it, make sure you know where to find it. And then I would assume it's going to be available on those uh, stations websites as well, if they have streaming services. Um, but it's not it's not going to be as easy to find as when we're used to seeing an Atlanta Press Club debate, for example, like that you moderated last time around with Raphael Warnock and Kelly Loeffler. That was on NBC News. It was on MSNBC. It was on CNN. It was just broadcast all over the place. This one's going to be a lot harder to find. Yeah, and speaking of Atlanta Press Club, they have also invited Herschel Walker to take part in their Senate debate on Sunday, 
which Raphael Warnock has already committed to attend, and so has the Libertarian in the race, Chase Oliver. Herschel Walker has not formally rejected that, but no one expects him to actually show, and I, I hear that he will definitely not show. So this, again, elevates the stakes of this debate even higher because it will be the only televised showdown, at least in the general election phase. Who knows about the runoff phase? We might soon find out. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word, AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. And we're back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, along with your other host, Patricia Murphy. And we are two of the political insiders here at the AJC. And in the Morning Jolt, which we think sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics, in this morning's Morning Jolt is going to have a basic what you need to know about tonight's debate, what to watch, what to expect, how to watch it, all that good stuff. You can get the Morning Jolt in your inbox every morning if you're a subscriber to the AJC. You can join the community now, this very instant, by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts, and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts, so you always know what's really going on. Well, Patricia, it's been such a busy week, such a busy end of the week, because not only do we have this epic debate, not only do we have our first ever live Politically Georgia event with Mayor Andre Dickens, which you can all listen to, but we also have new polling from, I think we're calling it the Media Consortium, but it's a group of more than 100 outlets, including the AJC and some of the biggest outlets in the state of Georgia that helped commission a poll from University of Georgia to give us the latest snapshot of the race for governor, Senate, Biden's approval on all sorts of issues. Yeah, and I think we had some uh, results in there. There was one result in particular, the result between Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp, that caught a lot of attention. Uh, we have the result of Governor Brian Kemp at 51%, Stacey Abrams at 41%. That's a 10-point spread. It's still within the range that we've seen, I would say. Um, I don't know that it's a huge outlier, but it's definitely the largest gap that we've seen between the two. It might be indicating the direction of this race, that Stacey Abrams is getting further apart from Brian, Brian, uh, Brian further apart. <laughs> further apart from Brian Kemp. Um, Again, it might also be uh, a piece of how it's being weighted. Um, Certainly her campaign is pushing back very hard on that. Something that we did note that is news that is encouraging to Democrats are the issues that voters care about. And 
how they're rating the issues. Obviously, um, we see in there that abortion continues to be, um, the abortion bill rather continues to be quite unpopular here in the state of Georgia, as does constitutional carry. Issues that Democrats feel strongly about, uh, voters are largely in alignment with Democrats on those issues. We just don't see that they're exactly in alignment with Democrats across the board on in terms of who they're picking. And here's what Stacey Abrams has to say about that paradox. So I think what we are looking at is that polls are a snapshot. And the question is, who are you taking a picture of? But uniformly, people agree with where I stand on these issues. My responsibility is to make certain they show up and vote because we believe that the most credible polls that show the, the most reflective dimensions of Georgia actually show what's happening, which is that People want what they want, but they are also ideologically bent one way or the other. And when you're answering a poll, you're telling people what you think they want to hear and what you think you need to say. And Patricia, you're exactly right. I mean, uh, she's 10 points back to Brian Kemp in these polls. And it's not an anomaly, at least the AJC poll. The last AJC poll in September showed her eight points back. We've seen other polls that show her five, six, seven points back. We even saw another poll out this week from a university that showed her, you know, neck and neck with Brian Kemp. So we, we, you know, the polls are volatile, but most of them show her with a statistically significant deficit to Brian Kemp. But at the same time, you know, the voters support many of the key policies that she's pushing. For instance, a majority of voters opposed the anti-abortion measure that Governor Kemp signed into law. A majority of voters opposed the permissive gun stance, the constitutional carry measure that Governor Kemp signed into law. A majority of voters support legalizing casino gambling, which is one of the center pieces of her agenda. She wants to funnel increased tax revenue from doing so towards uh, higher education scholarships. And a majority of voters favors using surplus dollars to increase spending rather than to give money back in the form of tax refunds. So, you know, her policies are popular if, at least in these polls, she herself is trailing Governor Kemp. Yeah. And for Governor Kemp, you know, the really, really good news here is that this is one of several polls that have him at 50% or above. That is just the magic number here in Georgia politics, because that means he could avoid a runoff. Once these candidates get into a runoff, I think everybody knows it resets the race. And it tends to not favor the incumbent because voters really know what they're getting when they're making their choices. And so when it gets to a runoff, it feels like that tends to favor the challenger. So the Kemp team would love nothing more than to get out of this race in one shot. I will say, I love polls. I love talking about polls. I love reading polls. I don't love what I feel like it does to campaigns. No campaign really wants to dig too much into polls because the people who are ahead don't want their voters to get complacent. The people Mm -hmm. who are behind don't want their voters to give up. And I thought about this when you and I were interviewing Atlanta Mayor Andre Dickens earlier this week, because Andre Dickens was at four percent in a poll of the mayor's race, not that far out from the actual mayor's race. (laughs) If everybody had had discarded Andre Dickens as a candidate because of his poll results, he would not be the mayor of Atlanta right now. He was in fourth place. I want to say, wasn't he in fourth place like in just the days before the poll? The big question going into election day was it would be Kasim Reed and who? Who's it's going to be? Who's going to challenge Kasim Reed and the runoff? And that just didn't happen. And I'm not here to say that polling is uh, not an important piece of political coverage, but I am here to say crazy things happen in the state of Georgia. And it it surprises me every time. And um, I, 
I just I I don't want to go too far down into a poll discussion without saying uh, all of this poll talk does not exclude the possibility that anything could happen on election day. Yeah, yeah, and I can tell you from firsthand experience, no one <laughs> likes this this poll results, and it doesn't matter, right? Because the results are the results, regardless of whether people like it. But Kemp's folks don't like it because they don't want their supporters to get complacent. Of course, Stacey Abrams' folks don't like it. They'd rather polls that show them uh, closer to the race, closer to the governor. Uh, we can talk a little bit briefly about methodology without boring our audience too much. But essentially, with UGA's polling, and, and different pollsters have different methodologies, but UGA weights on race and gender, but not ideology. So that means that the poll is about 55% women, 29% black, which reflects recent elections. But if the number of women, you know, in the electorate exceeds that, then it, it will end up changing, you know, the, all the modeling. Same thing with the number of African-American voters. What it does not wait, though, is party ideology. And in this case, the pollsters ended up interviewing more Republicans than Democrats, about 50% Republicans, 44% or so Democrats, and the rest independents. So um, there was a slight majority of Republicans. And will the electorate be 50% Republicans? Probably not. You know, there's probably going to be a significantly more larger number of independents in particular. We should also note the Senate results, the other big results, show that it's 46 Warnock 43 Herschel Walker. It's a three-point gap that's within, just within the margin of error of 3.1 percentage points. And the important thing about these findings is, yes, they reflect other polls that show the two kind of neck and neck, but the poll was mostly done, almost primarily done before the Daily Beast report about the abortion allegations. So it doesn't really reflect, you know, the the reality that we live in right now, the landscape we live in right now. And that happens with polls all the time because they've been in the field for a while and sometimes they don't reflect the most up-to-date information that could rock a campaign. But we've also seen other polls that have come out since then that showed um, that the race is basically unbudged. So we'll see. But I can tell you that that everyone on from both camps believes that a, a runoff is still a major likelihood. Yeah, and uh, the Walker campaign even released their own internal poll results. And we always put the caveat in, obviously, the internal poll results that get released are the good ones. But it doesn't mean they're wrong. <laughs> it just means that they're willing to share them with the general public. Their internal polling had Walker up by two after the scandal broke. And so um, I think that's an example. All of these basically show that that race is tied. This is the race that is easily, easily nationalized. This is the race that is going to come down to who are the candidates and also who is the president? Do I like the president? Do I like the job he's doing? Do I want him to have help doing that with a Democratic Senate? Or I don't want to have some speed bump on that with a Republican Senate. And so there is so much more that goes into that Senate race than just uh, what's happening here on the ground here in Georgia. Another piece of data that the Walker campaign released was that he had his highest fundraising day ever when he brought the two senators from Arkansas and Florida, Rick Scott and Tom Cotton came in to uh, to be with him, to stump for him, to support him, to vouch for him, to say, uh, this isn't about the past, it's about the future. It's not about Herschel Walker, it's about who's in control. And so uh, they were, they feel unbelievably good considering the last two weeks that they've had. Yeah. And also one quick note, although Herschel Walker's 
camp uh, released that internal poll. We didn't see the methodology. We don't know how it's weighted. Exactly. We yes. don't know who is interviewed and when. We don't really know anything about the poll other than that they say they're up, they're 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 in good shape. Um, but we were both in Carrollton with Tom Cotton and Rick Scott. So we got to see firsthand some of his supporters. Of course, the people who showed up there were were all you know supportive. They they went out of their way to go to the a rally. But what was interesting was the message there was basically the same message we heard during the runoff. A vote for the Republican contender is a vote against Joe Biden, is a vote for a Republican-controlled Senate, right? It's a check on the president's power. That was a message we, that Tom Cotton in particular made. They wouldn't address the allegations. They just said, say, Herschel Walker says it's a lie. Herschel's focused on tomorrow. The Democrats are focused on yesterday. That was the kind of Republican message. But we saw it's a powerful message. It wasn't powerful enough for Leffler and Purdue to win in 2021's runoff. But it is a message that Republicans hope can win over you know, some skeptical GOP voters who are showing up in all these polls. Because one other thing we should note in the poll is that there's a significant number of split voters that accounts for the gap of, 40, of about eight points between Kemp and Walker. About 9% of Kemp supporters are backing Senator Warnock. Another 5 or 6% are backing the Libertarian. And another close to double digits are undecided. So that split ticket vote could end up really defining the election outcome. Yeah. And it's so interesting because you and I gave a talk uh, last night to a group of uh, your friends. <laughs> and uh, uh, one of them, uh, we, there was a Q&A portion. What's that? I said, thank you for coming. Uh, of course, I was happy to. <laughs> they were so nice. Uh, one, there was a Q&A portion at the end. And one of the questions was, uh, wait, 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 I don't understand who is this supposed Brian Kemp Raphael Warnock voter. There is no Venn diagram that makes that make sense to me. That was the question. And that voter is the person who is, um, first of all, relatively happy with the status quo. Those are the two incumbents. Those are the two gentlemen who are currently doing the job they're trying to keep. And their performance is something that voters can look at and judge them on. And it is also that group of Republicans, as you said, who and you and I have talked to these people who said, look, I like Herschel Walker. He's a great football player. I just can't get there. I just can't do it. This feels like a, one of those races where people are going to get into the voting booth and kind of have a gut check moment and like either yikes, I just can't do it. Or, hey, I, I got to stop Joe Biden. You know, there, there's going to be there's an emotional component to this race that I think um, people are going to are going to be really dealing with when they get in there for those Republicans who are still making up their minds about Herschel Walker. And speaking of Biden, his approval rating in this poll was at 38 percent, largely unmoved since the last few polls we've done of Biden's approval rating. He's been in the high high 30s or low 40s in most of the polls we've seen uh, throughout uh, this this election campaign. And that brings us to our our next topic, which is Jill Biden. Joe Biden's wife is coming. The first lady is coming to campaign for Stacey Abrams today on Friday, um, right before the debate. It's going to be a private event. It's not going to be a huge media event by any means. There's only going to be one one reporter allowed into the event. But at the same time, it's a moment. You know, it's a moment that that, that Stacey Abrams has leaned into. She said that she wants Joe Biden to come down and campaign for her. She has aggressively tied herself to the administration, despite Joe Biden's low approval ratings, and even, even if it plays into Republican attacks. Because as she said, and as she told uh, a group of reporters on Thursday, Joe Biden has secured billions of dollars for Georgia. 
And so she's happy to promote that. She's happy to promote the democratic agenda that Joe Biden has helped come to pass in Georgia. Yeah. And Democrats, I think, really believe that there is a democratic success story to tell that has not been told yet. And one example of that is Andre Dickens uh, told us during our conversation with him that the money that Governor Brian Kemp is sending towards sort of rescuing the situation with the closure of the Atlanta Medical Center is, in fact, ARPA money, that is money that was signed and passed by Democrats in the American Rescue Plan that was then sent to the state that is now being allocated by Governor Kemp. And Governor Kemp had a big event to say, I'm spending this state money to help really bridge the gap here. That is, in fact, Democratic money that Democrats would love to take credit for. They would love to have more chances to roll out what they think has been the good news of this administration. And they believe that uh, President Biden has a low approval rating here because it hasn't really been told enough. So that's that's sort of where they're coming from. And so Stacey Abrams, I think, will be thrilled to have the first lady here. Otherwise, she wouldn't be doing it, for one thing. Also, it's not going to be a secret what is said in that room because there will be pooled press coverage there. So we'll know what Jill Biden says about her. And Jill Biden, I think, I'm pretty sure this is always the case, uh, maybe with a few exceptions. The first lady is always more popular than the president if the president has a low approval rating. So the first lady is always sort of the safest bet if you want to get the uh, kind of the vote of confidence from the administration, but you don't really want to have the guy who's in the hot seat right now, it's always handy to have the first lady come in and do the event instead. And so that's what Jill Biden is going to do for Stacey Abrams. I do think it's interesting that she will be kind of in the South Georgia neighborhood and is not going to be um, doing anything that we know of yet for Raphael Warnock. We'll have to stay tuned to see if the administration does anything for the senator. That is the other side of the coin is that Senator Warnock uh, it's probably not all that enthusiastic about that news that the Biden administration is coming to Georgia. And I, I, I only say that because whenever we ask him directly if he wants Joe Biden to campaign for him, he do, he sidesteps the question. He talks about how he, he wants help from anyone who wants to make Georgia a better place. He rarely, if ever, says directly that he wants Joe Biden's help. And there's a reason why, not just the 38 percent approval rating, but also because that is Herschel Walker's main line of attack against Senator Warnock. It's a way for Herschel Walker to kind of change the subject back to putting Senator Warnock on the defense, saying that he votes for Biden more than 90 percent of the time. He's a, he's a Biden lackey, all these attacks. So we'll see. But I, I don't think that Senator Warnock. Well, I know Senator Warnock will be down in, in Savannah. For the defense, of course. So he won't be anywhere near uh, Jill Biden for, for obvious reasons because of the debate. Well, coming up on next week's episode, we're going to answer your questions from the listener mailbag, which you can now call into. We're not going to play any of our most recent questions because we took so many questions at the live event that you can listen to in the last Politically Georgia podcast episode. But you can call our hotline anytime, leave a question, and we'll play it back and answer your question right here on the podcast. The number is 770-810-5297. That's 770-810-5297. Patricia, before we close the show, it's time for who's up and who's down. Who's your who is down? Because we want to end on a high note. Yes, my who's down this week is Nikita Hemingway, a little known statewide candidate, um, but she is running for agriculture commissioner. We found out this week that former Governor Roy Barnes has endorsed Tyler Harper, the Republican in that race. It has become the highest profile endorsement of that entire contest. It also was the most read story at the AJC on Thursday, which came as some surprise to me. So there's still a great deal of interest in what former Democratic Governor Roy 
Barnes is up to, and he is endorsing Tyler Harper, the Republican in that race. Now, Nikita Hemingway came out swinging and delivered an absolute body blow to both Governor Barnes and Tyler Harper in her uh, denunciation, uh, saying basically she could not really care less about what Roy Barnes has to say. Um, But it was not a great moment for her campaign because it got a lot of good publicity for her opponent. My who's down is going to be out-of-state donors because they're about to get a lot more attacks from the campaigns. Our colleague James Salzer reported that about 90% of Stacey Abrams' campaign collections came from out-of-state donors, but also about 54% of Governor Kemp's campaign reports donors came from out-of-state. So we are seeing a a lot of -of out-of-state donors, and we're about to see a lot more attacks on those California and New York and whoever donors who are trying to influence our Georgia races. Patricia, who's your who's up for the week? My who's up um, is somebody who has gotten my who's down many times, but he's who's up this week. It is Herschel Walker for a change of pace. Um, He has had a particularly good week. He had the two senators, Rick Scott and Tom Cotton, come in for him to give him a boost. He's raising a ton of money. And if the polls are to be believed, there's almost nothing Herschel Walker can do or has ever done that will take him out of this race that is it insists on being a dead heat between him and Raphael Warnock. That is a pretty great spot to be in. And so he's my who's up this week. My who's up is going to be a, a double. First, it's going to be the down ticket Democrats, because in our poll, they're still all trailing their Republican opponents, but they've narrowed their deficits. State Senator Jen Jordan is a little closer to Attorney General Chris Carr. Bean Wynn is no longer down by 20 points to incumbent Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, she's down by about 12. So it's, it's an improvement. She's still back by double digits, but improvement. But in particular, Charlie Bailey, he was down 10 points to Burt Jones for the lieutenant governor's race. He's now down five. So he has improved. The other one is, uh, I'd say, the Atlanta Pride Festival and the LGBTQ community. Because we had a story earlier this week that highlighted how back not long ago, I mean, 10 years ago, not, not, in a not-so-distant past, that event was not an event that drew any sort of high name, high profile Democratic figures. And now it is a must attend. And we saw Senator Warnock, Senator John Ossoff, Stacey Abrams, Jen Jordan, Bean Wynn, Charlie Bailey, pretty much every big name Democratic contender on the statewide ballot and for a lot of Metro Atlanta offices show up and show their support for the LGBT community. So that would be my who's up. It's the Atlanta's LGBTQ community. Well, that's all the time we have for today's show. Thanks for spending some time with us on Politically Georgia. We'll have a special edition off of the the debate. So we will be breaking down some of the highlights and some of the big moments of the debate right here for you on Politically Georgia on Saturday. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about like historically black colleges and universities, Atlanta's thriving art scene, and the city's growing neighborhoods. 
Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,